0: Okay, so today I'm back in the, Mayf- the Star Sports Mayfair shop, and I've got Dave Edwards with me. All right, Dave, uh, thanks for coming down from Manchester Way, Nearly, Lincoln. Lincoln, to uh, t- to talk to us here today. So a lot of people won't know who you are. So can you tell us what your game is as far as gambling goes?
1: Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I appreciate people are looking at this and saying, like, oh, who on earth's Dave? Um, so correct, you know, you-, you won't have seen me on uh, any... Any, any other interviews etc uh, kept quite quiet um, but you know I've been fortunate to meet your good self through acquaintances um, we had a good day the other week at Old Trafford uh, you kindly invited me down here today to do this interview and um, so with regard to you know, my background and uh, the, the gambling the gambling bug um, I'm a predominantly a trader uh, now, but that hasn 't always been the case. Um, I think when I started in the gambling probably over thirty years ago now uh, them days you were an out and out punter uh, obviously there was there was no exchanges those days, so it was into your old bookmakers do a a two from each section on the football coupon or a, a lucky fifteen um, and I always enjoyed a punt, and then with the the arrival of the the betting exchanges. Um, became very interested in them and you know my journey has led me to moving away from out and out punting more um, towards trading now so I would say I'm predominantly a trader I would say an 80-20 split of um, trading as opposed to outright bets.
0: Okay so as you're a trader do you even sort of consider that gambling is there a risk to it? Mm, of course yeah um, I, I I think any
1: any situation where you're you putting money down um, not just you know sport exchange you know you can look at the financial markets um, one of the things I was thinking about on the on the train down today was the, the situation years ago with the uh, Bearings Bank I think it was um, and where that just got out of control and of course there's a risk that risk wasn't managed it got out of control but anywhere where you're where you putting money down um, people's pensions you know they're, they're putting their faith in people to gamble with their pension money each day so anywhere where there is the opportunity to to put money down and grow it th- there is also a risk associated with that so yes absolutely it is a
0: risk. Okay so you're specifically a football trader so it, do you like to form prior to trading do you make a decision? Of course yes so I'll
1: my, my trading I, I do and. Uh, as most traders will probably tell you certainly football um, your, your homework is vitally important so I'll do my analysis for let's say for the If there's, I'll concentrate on the English Premiership at the weekend um, but my, my form study for that will start midweek um, so I, w- I will I will do a, around an 80-20 split of preparation against actual execution on the day of the game uh, on the exchanges um, lots of stuff out there for for using funalities that there's very very good free sites uh, one I use called uh, soccer stats I don't have any affiliation with them they're just a, a good free site. There's some good apps out there, and you can pull some you know, really good information to form a baseline on, on the games that, that you're going to um, feel that you'll be involved with at the weekend.
0: Okay, so all that information is there, but you've still got to interpret it correctly to succeed. So how do you interpret it correctly? What is it
1: you're looking for? Absolutely. I mean, you, you've got all that information, but the final call is subjective. Um, I, I my baseline will be for how many goals I, I think will be in the game. Um, now that will obviously that's going to vary against the fixture, you know, and the the, the, the strength of one team against another. Um, is there going to be a realistic opportunity to get involved in that market within the game? So w- what do I mean by that? Let's say um, the example the other week. Um, Manchester City against you know if, if they were playing one of the lower teams, so the market is going to be set up that there's going to be an absolute raft of goal and It can be very difficult to find an angle to get in on that, um, so you have to tailor and be realistic where you can get involved now for a game like that, you know Manchester City against one of the lower teams, obviously city have got the the new striker who 's just breaking all records to start with. So it could be very difficult so it may well be you know i don't think there's going to be an opportunity in that game i'll concentrate on, on something else but um, my form study during the week will give me that baseline on to make the decision which is purely subjective somebody else um, could form their own subjective opinion there's no right or wrong it, as i said it's purely subjective and how you choose to approach that market
0: I suppose the right or wrong is the proof in the, if you make money or not. Long term, yes, absolutely. But how much of it depends on, you know, I imagine a massive a part of it is who's playing. So do you have to wait for the team news before you make your final sort of decisions? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I'll form my
1: baseline and then, of course, that, that, and when I look back, I will look at well, what players have been involved, you know, as a key strikers. We've just been talking about Manchester City, the new striker, Haaland, um, so, um, for an example, the Liverpool-Manchester City game at, at the weekend, um, if Haaland had have suffered a, an injury in the, in the warm-up, then it's very likely that Manchester City's price would have drifted slightly because he's, he's a key player. He's, he has scored the majority of their goals. So, yeah, t- team lineups, team news very important and certainly for you can get an edge on the market pre-game you know with any news like that that comes out beforehand can and will have an effect on the market
0: um so would you have a different strategy in mind with various lineups in mind you think who might play who might not play would you have something just in case to save time um again it'd be on so you'd look at so
1: if if it's a big game. Um, I don't want to keep using Manchester City, so let's say Arsenal against Liverpool, you'd expect them both to, you know, they put out their best teams and it's important game, they're both hoping to be challenging for the title, so they'd want their best players. Um, if Arsenal or, or Liverpool were playing one of the lower teams, um, you know, they may feel that Liverpool can say, right, we'll, we'll rest uh, Mo Salah or whomever it may be. So you have to match it up to... The team, the starting lineup, who they're playing, and um, form your opinions on that.
0: Okay, so do you get involved with
1: betting in shops and coupons, that sort of thing? <laughs> it's funny. I was just saying to uh, to, to Matt earlier. I walked into here, and this is the first time in I god knows how long that I've actually been into uh, an actual bookmakers. A uh, long, long time ago. So no, I, I don't go into bookmakers shops. Um, I, I think that would probably soon end in tears. Um, I, I'll look at their prices, but I am predominantly um, mainly exchange.
0: Okay, so would there not be the opportunity to tuck them up if you saw that one of the top strikers wasn't unexpectedly wasn't playing, or the t- they put a field of reserves out or something? Um, oh, on the on the coupons, you know, or do they do they change the prices? I don't know about betting shops either. to be honest. you, you can. Like
1: I say, it's a while since I've been in the bookmakers and looked at the coupons but there always used to be a minimum of... um, When I used to go in the bookmakers years ago you had to pick at least four or five teams. So if there was that opportunity to take advantage of a single price, then yeah, of course. Um, But uh, if those prices are advertised online um, they will move very quickly with the news that one of those key players is out or... Just as much so if a key player was said to be injured, and and I have known this in the past, um, if suddenly, oh, actually, he's playing today, so their price will shorten um, because, you know, a a key player. I remember years ago, there was an example of that. I think it was Wayne Rooney for when he was at Manchester United. And um, he wasn't expected to play. um, And it was, if I remember right, it was a Champions League game. And um, it was announced about half an hour prior to kick-off that Rooney was in the starting lineup, and the news on that that the price just fell in, and so things like that tied in with what you said before about um, you know team selection.
0: Okay, now people that bet on horse racing will tell you that all the mug money's gone and the liquidity's down on the exchanges. Um, mm. How? Much of that is still in the football. Do you still have people that bet on their favourite team every week, regardless which you can sort of prey on? I I don't know about their favourite team.
1: There's an element where people will still go for these favourite accumulators, if you like. Um, And we've all done it. I've done it in the past. You know, years ago, it it would be United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. and if one of them, let's say two of them were playing on a Saturday and two on a Sunday, people had had an accumulator. If that one of them let you down on the, let them down on the Saturday, sorry, you would see the money. They'd, they'd be chasing the losses almost going on the other two. Foot right, well, I'll go in for another double on the remainders um, on Sunday. Um, so there is an element of that. Um, you'll also get people that will look at a very short price favourite, um, and they'll say, right, well I'll do them to win, to be winning half time and full time, just to boost those odds. Now if it's a draw at half time, you'll you'll see them coming in with money at half time because their their original bet is down. So they're thinking, right, well that favourite team's still going to win, so I'm going to go in. And for me, my opinion on that is people. are are in essence chasing their losses if you have a bet and it goes down you know just move on forget it don't don't go chasing your losses the worst thing you can do now would you price up in your head a match before it's priced up um yes so that's that's part of my analysis during the week is um i have like a a match guide sheet so i'll I'll come in with what i think the odds my odds are And then I will compare that to what the odds are available, feel if there's value anywhere for an out and out bet um, rather than a trade. Um, We've got so many different angles now for for football games compared to years ago. You know, I remember going into betting shops years ago and you'd have the, you'd pull the football coupon out of the rack and that was it. You'd two from each section or you one from each section, three draws, whatever it may be. You know, you, you look onto any, any uh, betting site or the exchanges, the amount of markets are there now is you know is it was almost it was unheard of years ago, um, and it's it's a matter of trawling through them, doing your homework on the analysis, trawling through those markets and seeing where you feel that, that, that there's a, there's an edge. You know most people who don't do that homework will just go into the game. Um, you know right, I'll, I'll go for. I'll have, I'll have City, Arsenal, Liverpool wow. to win when there's far better options to, to find an edge on that. You know, it'd be wow. very, very difficult for, to find a long-term winning edge on teams like that at the moment. Um, and you've, you've got to look deeper.
0: Do you have like a mental or even physical checklist of things that you're looking for when you're pricing up?
1: Yes, I'll I uh, said so that that goes back to my, my checklist, which I do religiously. So I, I just follow uh, the same pattern every time that I'm pricing up a, a football game. Um, and from that, I, I will just go and search for where, where I, I feel that, that there's an edge. And can you tell us a bit about what that is? Um, the, the main one for me is goals. Um, so I will come up with what I call my own goal line spread, whatever you wish to call it um now i've been doing this for for years probably about a decade now um and long term it has worked for me um you need the discipline to make you know that that's going to be your niche so um for me it was um goals market and then looking at the markets, the under, over markets and where I feel at what point in the game I could enter and, you know, have an edge on that market.
0: Right, Dave. So just comparing what you do to, um, comparing what you do to horse racing. Sort of, I tell you, you must watch as much horse racing as possible. Do you have to watch as much football as possible? Um,
1: I, I I would say quality over quantity. I, actually, I, I think you could you could fall foul to watching too much football. Certainly, in my situation, you know, uh, and people that have got a family will will appreciate this. You know, you do not want to be sat in your study watching football 24/7. You know, when you've got a family downstairs. So you have to tailor it, or certainly for me, I, I tailor it to um, the needs, you know, my family comes first and foremost, so um, I, I, one of the reasons why I, I concentrate purely on English Premier League football, because it, it's, a, you know, it's a nice amount of games where I can get the, the quality um, figures from my study out of it, whereas if I delved into the the championship and then La Liga and Bundesliga etc I've, I've done it uh, in my early days um, trying to trade everything that was on the TV and you, you can fry your brain and you, you lose track because you haven't got that focus and concentration on you know, the, the, the one particular market um, you know, there's a few on the screens and you, you're looking and you just lose yourself So I I think actually you you can watch too much football from my point of view. I just like to keep it to the premiership
0: quality over quantity. Okay, I was interested that you call outright bets, fire and forget bets. Fire and forget bets, yes. So yeah, that's from my forces days. So
1: so anybody, uh, including your good self who's been in the forces is probably familiar with that phase. Um, well, it's, it's been from um, a store that was um, launched from an aircraft, um, and then the pilot had no say over it. It was fire and forget, you would fire it and hope for the best. And that's what I um, thats what I call outright bets now. Um, I do have outright bets. Um, uh, they're the ones that you can put on a sat, you know, if you're going out with, wife dragging you out shopping or you know you're going playing football in the park with, with, with your kids I will put them on and I just don't worry about them I don't I don't um, control them
0: throughout the game you know I don't look for any you know if, if I bet on a team and they've gone one up
1: oh well I could trade that no they are purely outright bets that I will have in the morning and then I'll check them at night when uh, you know the family's in bed
0: and um, I never look at them then OK, so I assume that you still make money on them, otherwise you wouldn't do them?
1: Yeah, long-term. It's so all, all about long-term.
0: Um, I'd be lying
1: if I said you know every single weekend or midweek when there's games on that I, I was in profit. No, that, that would be... Uh, and I don't think anybody who, who, who bets seriously, um, I certainly don't know anybody who, who makes an outright profit every single weekend, and anybody who takes it seriously, uh, certainly the guys that do it full-time, they will tell you it's all about getting that edge for long-term um, success. So it's important, you know, you, you see the, the mindset of it really is don't become downheartened, you know, over one or two results that go, you're going to have downturns, it's inevitable, but it's part of the mindset to deal with them and just have the, the, the faith and conviction in your own ability that over the, the, the course of the season, at the, uh, the end of the season, you'll be showing a profit. Okay, so your main game is in play trading then? For football, yes. Um, so I do um, horse racing, the t- the two different angles I have. So I'll have the uh, in play football and pre race and in play horse racing. So if we, if we just go on to the horse racing for a moment. So um, in play hall uh, sorry pre-race um trading um i can set up so i not really need any prior form or knowledge um, so i set up I, I use a piece of software that's linked to betfair an um, excellent piece of um software in my opinion and uh, peter webb's uh, bet angel um, But there's there's different ones out there Again, it's subjective to what works for you. I've used Bet Angel from day one; worked perfectly. Previous
0: for me. interviewee Peter Webber should add.
1: Yes, uh, um, I, I, don't, I don't know Peter personally. Uh, I'm not on a commission from him for mentioning it. It's just a, a fantastic piece of kit. Um, so, if I was doing pre-race trading, I, I would set up uh, Bet Angel with the Guardian, the UK races, and uh, you could um, go into a, a race, let's say. I wouldn't get uh, involved with the race until about five minutes before they were due to go off because you've got the volume, you've got the uh, liquidity. Um, so you, you can look at the, you know, the graphs, that uh, Betfair's own graphs or the ones on, on BetAngel that are a great aid to let you see where the market's been, where it's heading, where it could potentially head. Um, so I don't really do any prior form for that. Um, in-play trading. So uh, again, another piece of um, software I use. And I don't wish to sound as though I'm uh, plugging people's softwares here, but I, I use uh, Simon Walton's profile. Uh, fantastic piece of kit. Another previous interview? Yeah, I did. I, I've not. I've met Simon. It was a long time ago. Lovely, lovely guy. Um, fantastic piece of kit. Um, now what I'll do is if I'm doing in-play. Is I'll, I'll profile a race and a particular horse. Let's say if a horse has, let's say it's one of those almost horses, um, you know, it just can't quite get there for a win perhaps, you know, if it's been nailed on the line a few times. But what I'll look for is, right, well, if this horse, you know, tends to price drop significantly in play, then there may be an edge there, you know, to. Place a bet at the starting price or whatever price is available on the exchanges. Let's say just before the off, and, and then trade that out in play. So that that would be uh, using using ProForm. Um, and as I went back to, to say before, there's so many there's so many options now compared to years ago, where it was just an outright put your money on and, and hope for the best. Um, I, I I can get quite not despondent, but when people say, "Oh, I had this horse and it got nailed on the line," you know, I would have won this money. And like, well, if it got nailed on the line, then you shouldn't be in a position where you've not made any money. And um, because if it's got nailed on the line, then its price in play would have been, you know, it may have hit 1.01 or certainly sub 1.1. So for me, I would be like, "Well, I would be downhearted five I away from that race and hadn't won any money had
0: it traded that low." Now. I'm, one of the things I always, always thought about better was you've got to be consistent. So one of the problems is, when a horse gets chinned on the line and it's trading one-on-one, does it look like it's certain to win? So would you religiously put into lay at a certain price regardless if it's 25 lengths clear with half a furlong to go?
1: Well, if it's 25 lengths clear with half a furlong to go and it didn't win, then something's gone uh, horribly well, wrong. By the example,
0: but I mean, they... But a lot of people haven't traded that because it looks like it's won, like all one-on-one shots do. So would you put in a bet to lay and forget it's there, and just so it's done every time? Because yeah. how would you be clever enough to know that that one that looked like it was going to win was going to get chinned? You,
1: you could. You put you put your uh, you, could, you could open just before the race, and then I always will um, put in bets to keep in play, should it go lower in running. So once the race actually starts, you know, um, Bet Angel, I mean, you can just do it on, on Betfair itself and they that, they will look after those prices for you in running. So if the horse, you know, let's say, I, I'm just making some numbers up here. Let's say a horse goes off at five to one and it hits two, you know, you, you could take your liability. But would you
0: always do that? Did you have a figure that you would always put in there for every single race? Or are you going to be having to decide? In which case you're going to get it wrong sometimes. It would be dependent on the horse, and that that would go back
1: to the the using proform to study, right? So sort of how what price has this horse gone in play before? What's the lowest it's gone? Uh, is there a figure that it has, you know, generally hit? So let's say for example, I, I said then five to one. And it's, you know, it's tended to go a shade odds on in running all the time. Well, that's a great edge to have, you know, if it is, because that again gives you options. You know, if you've taken a horse at five to one um, and, you know, you trade out at two, you've got options then. You've got, you sat on a free three to one bet if you want, if you want to leave it and with no liability to see if it goes on and wins the race or you could say, well, actually, I'll, um, I'll green up and just take a profit and, you know, whatever the result
0: may be. Okay, so how did you learn the skills required to do what you do? So, the majority of it self-taught,
1: to be perfectly honest. Um, the, when I got into using the exchanges, um, I became aware, you know, the, the, the backing and the lay side here Right, this, this presents different opportunities, good opportunities for me. And I suddenly felt the draw from being an outright punter when I realised this, that, right, the, the trading, the, there are far more options for me here. And it's all about finding your niche. And that, that was my niche that I was like, yes, I'm, I'm going to go down this rate. Because I did okay uh, as um, outright betting, fire and forget, as we, as we said. But I felt that as if I went down the trading route, um, it would be I'd, I'd, I'd have far more stable, more uh, returns on on a regular basis.
0: Right, Dave. In part three, I've spoken to lots of clever people over the course of these interviews, and a lot of them tell us how clever they are, and you can see that they they've made a lot of money doing what it is they do, but they don't actually tell us anything much apart from the fact that they're really clever. So when we spoke before, I hope it wasn't because we were at a football match and we'd had a couple of beers, but you said you would tell me and tell us exactly how you would tackle a match and hopefully in a way that people can emulate what you do. I know they've still got to be clever, but tell us us how you start from start to finish. Yeah, well, we must have had a couple of beers, yeah, because I don't remember
1: that, but no. uh, Each... You know, how people make uh, their money on the markets is each to their own. Um, as I said before, it's important on finding your niche. So for me, um, it's imperative to do pre-game analysis to get facts and figures. For me, my baseline is um, goals. So I will, I will um use the stats on a game to come up with a goal range, goal spread, whatever you choose to call it. And that is my starting point for the game. So, for example, Team A is playing Team B, um, and my homework deduces that there's going to be between two and three goals. Now, people can say, "Oh, well, yeah, well done, Dave, most games are between two and three goals, but I'm just using this as an example. Sometimes my homework will come out with, you very low scoring one or two or four to five goals. Um, it's just subjective how you come to that. Um, so if I've got a game that I feel will be two to three goals. So my my markets on Betfair would be um, the, the lowest one, uh, two goals. So I'd be looking at the over 1.5 market and the over 2.5 market for my higher range three. Now, at the start of the game, i wouldn 't want to be entering a over one point five goals because the, the price the, the price isn 't going to support a long term profit you know maybe one point three at kickoff for for, for over one point five dependent on the game um, so what I would then look at is the upper um, figure uh, three goals so i 'd look at the over two point five goals so that may be you know a shade under or over evens, so I'd be saying, well, okay, so I could potentially go for my upper figure. But I think it's important to watch how the game starts, how the game unfolds, how the teams are set out. Are they gone into a uh, defensive format? You know, I wouldn't really want to be entering an overs market if they're both very, you know, standoff, like you know, two two boxes just flipping out the occasional jab now and again and um, if it's very cagey then I would leave it because the longer it goes on and you know goals obviously you're going to get the better price now it may come to a stage within hopefully the first half where that 1.5 over 1.5 price has risen to something where I know from my facts and figures previously okay well if I was to take that price on a regular basis you know, and the goal arrives then long term I'm, I'm going to make money but certainly not from the kickoff price which you just mentioned 1.3 um, so let's say um you know it's a cagey goal but towards the end of the, the first half you know the shackles come off it's attacking the keepers are making save you know the woodwork may have been hit right so you know the the teams are going for it now they've identified weaknesses uh, where they can penetrate each other's defenses so i may be in a position where i can open on the over 1.5 market for example and let's say the price gets to around about even money so that's my opening gambit on uh, over 1.5 now as soon as i've done that i that will look after itself i then need to manage that liability so i'm just going to pick a a figure here let's say i put 100 pound into the over 1.5 market at even money so I, I stand to win 100 and I stand to lose 100 but I wouldn't just leave it at that because that's a bet that's not a trade it's a bet so for me it would be how do I reduce that liability and for me what I would do is I would play with potential profit now there's, there's options on that and again it, it's subjective It what works for you now I could say, well, okay, I stand to win a hundred pound. So you know what? I'll use a percentage of that and put it on, let's say, nil nil, or one nil. Because the longer that the game stays goalless, those odds will fall. So you're you're um, benefiting from the from the fall in those odds. Your original price is is going to go out. Um, and then you could get to a position where it would be so. Worst case scenario would be, let's say with I don't know, 20 minutes to go, there's been no goal. If there was a goal, y- your trade wouldn't really be wouldn't really be paying much. So, but I've reduced my liability. So what I'll do is I'll just I'll just cut out, uh, and I may have lost, you know, let's say. of my original stake into the market now obviously what we do want is we want the goal so ideally you want to open um, your overs bet and then a goal you know straight away Uh, lovely when that happens great because you're then in a a no-lose position or you certainly should be in a no-lose position you've then got options so let's say that you've taken over 1.5 at evens there's a goal. So that's going to drop down, I don't, let's say to it, it would, let's say 1.2, for, for example. So again, you've got options there. You can just remove your liability at 1.2 and leave yourself with a free bet, or you can green up uh, and take a profit. So it's I, I hope I've explained that um, in a way that people can understand. And you know, there'll be far shrewder people than me watching this that's saying, well yeah it's quite uh there's better ways to do it and if there is and people use them that's fine good luck to them well this is what has worked well for me over the years and it's my benchmark it's the way that i do things
0: do you have a figure in your mind that you want to win and then when you can achieve that figure you win it and then you just
1: i don't have a figure that i want to win i have a figure that um i don't want that liability will not go any more than that so once you're in that position, as I've said, if the goal arrives, you, you can then be aggressive and play up profits and you can end up with you know, a, a really nice figure. But I'm more of managing what I could lose rather than what I, I could make. I think that's more important to me is to manage
0: your liability. Okay, so what sort of figures are we talking about with your personal betting? Okay, so... There's two
1: things. So I'll have a trading bank and then I'll have the outright bets, the fire and forget bank. Now, for the for the outright bets, I wouldn't put anywhere near as much money into the market um, for an outright bet because it is that it's a bet. Strike rates a lot lower. Uh, downturns are, are, are a lot higher. Um, you know, and you've got to have a, a good bank uh, and a good stomach to deal with those downturns. So, my main betting bank, um, initially when I started, I think my very first betting bank I think I started with uh, is either a 1000 or £2,000. Now, that's uh, increased with, you know, as you become more comfortable with what you're doing and you can see, you have an idea of your your returns and where you're going to be, you know, at the end of a season, your confidence grows. Um, and I, my, my betting bank's now, so I'll bet with a £10,000 betting bank. But I don't put £10,000 into a, an in-play market. I will put a percentage of that. Now, that percentage, again, is, is subjective. Um, and it's, that comes with experience and past analysis results and you know what you feel that you're going to make in a season. So um, I'll, I'll give you an example. So 10,000 pound betting bank. Um, if you were doing a pre-match, we were talking before about if there's team news, um, you could be a lot more aggressive and put more of your bank into that market because the game isn't in play um, and the moves aren't going to be, you know, as as drastic as if, if as if a goal scored. But you, you could put, you know, I, I know people who've put eighty, ninety percent of their bank into a pre-match market. Um, in play, it varies. On, I, I would put, you know, ten, fifteen percent on on a particular um, market, perhaps the, you know the goals market that we, we've just been talking about. And then I'm not, re- I'm not really. Putting any more of my bank onto countering that because I'm playing with potential profit, um, if, if that makes sense. Um, so I think in a nutshell, answer to your question, trading bank uh, 10k, which I'm comfortable with now, and I'll stress to anyone who is doing that, that and anyone will tell you that is money that, if it were to go. Today or tomorrow, it wouldn't have any impact on you know your ability to pay your, your outgoings, care for your family, etc. Et you know, I've been in a fortunate position where I've, uh, I've accumulated over the seasons enough to have a decent um, bank like that. Now, there'll be people who say, thank you, that's, that's not a lot. People that will u- use far, far more than that. But you have to be comfortable with the bank and the money that you're putting in the market because if you feel... If you've suddenly been used to trading with a £1,000 bank and then you were trading, let's say, a £50,000 bank, suddenly you're not going to be in control because you're going to be worried about the fact of the money that you're dealing with. It's all about building up gradually and that you're comfortable with uh, the money that you put in the market and the risk.
0: OK, so why, I mean, how long have you been making it pay?
1: Um To be honest, make it pay on a regular basis, um, I would say, I'd say the last decade. Right, so why don't you do it for a living? Very good question. Um, So I I did think about doing it full time. Um, So my current job at the moment, um, the the previous contract that I was on um, was coming to an end. Um, And I sat down with my wife and we talked about it and I said, look, you know, I feel that I I could make a go of this. And uh, you know she's always supportive, but there's the worry that um, you know I still have a mortgage, I've got a family, and with the current climate, you know the the gambling review, which you know heaven knows when the outcome of that will be known and what what it will entail. I don't think it will greatly affect exchange players, but. I have a plan in place for when I will go um, full-time. Um, but it's a good question because people will say, well, if, if you're that good, why don't you do it full-time? And the bottom line is um, I'm fortunate that I'm in a job, a well-paid job that you know pr- provides for my family. And if that safety net was to be pulled away at the moment with the air of uncertainty about what's happening you know, with the industry, it's, it's not the right time. There will be a right time for me. I've got a date in my head and um, that that will be it, it, it's a journey and that will be the the end of not the end of the journey but the goal and um, is to is to trade full-time
0: okay dave so um we've talked about that you know you give us a good insight there give us a bit of an insight into you so, give us some background information. Who, who is Dave Edwards? Okay, so um, if I can
1: remember back all the years, um, so originally from the the, the northwest of uh, of the country. Um, and I I'm, tr- I'm trying to make this about how how I led into gambling. So w- when I left school, um, as most people did back then, uh, or certainly the lads, you went and did an apprenticeship or joined the armed forces. Uh, whatever um in fact I'll tell you a story uh, about that at school like my, my old uh, physics teacher i remember him he, he stood up once and he announced to the class to the the guys in particular he said the the guys will go one of three ways he said there was some that will uh, leave and do engineering apprenticeships there is some that will leave and go in the armed forces and there's some who will go to jail um uh, years later he was right for uh, for most of the people that went to my school anyhow i didn't go to jail thankfully i went uh, i did an apprenticeship for four years um and most of that time i was working away and i, and I enjoyed being away you know being different parts of the uk um, my apprenticeship come to an end and i was then in a position where if it was to continue, it was contract work, so very good money while she contracting. Um, but you know, the, the job could come to an end, and then you're out of work. I wanted something more secure, hence I joined the the armed forces. So I, I remember walking into the uh, many years ago now into the uh, careers office, and it was the army and the RAF. And I was like, well, do I do I go in the do I go in the Royal Engineers? Do I go in the RIMI? Um And then I ended up going in the in, in the RAF um they don't always get it right listers do they <laughs> yeah um, but and, yeah it was it was it, it was a thing for me i'd always had an interest in joining the forces because you know it's a, such a it's a small world that we live in and i i see so many people i don't want to call them stick in the muds you know it's, it's each to, each to their own but i didn't want to Spend the rest of my life in the same town, city, doing the same thing day in, day out. You know, I wanted to spread my wings, go and see the see the world, travel, um, and that, that was the reason
0: before, behind me, me
1: joining the the air force.
0: Okay, so tell us where your interest in betting came from. Where did that fit into all that?
1: I think you go back to the days when I was an apprentice, and um, my friends that I used to knock about with them and uh, some of them, uh, some of them had apprentice, apprenticeships, um, you know, other, other jobs, but Saturdays always seemed to revolve around going to the pub. Um, and in uh, typical fashion, where I used to live, you had, you know, the top road of pubs, and then you'd have uh, an independent bookmakers, and then your, your, your fish and chip shop or your Chinese takeaway for when when you'd, you'd finished your, your, your session. So. Um, i initially there's a, a few of my friends who were into horse racing so i'd follow them into the bookies and it was the old bookies with the you know the multi-colored fly curtain and you'd go in and part your way through the smoke um pick up a uh, pick up a betting slip and I, I was more inclined to football back in them the old football two from each section uh coupons um And I actually, what really made me caught the bug was I actually won the two from each section once. This is going back over 30 years. I think it was the season that um, Leeds United won the championship. So it was 30, 31 years ago. I did two from each section. I had a pound on it. And we used to go in the pub, we'd have a few pints and then the old teletext. And, uh, you know, you check your scores at half-time and, oh, that's actually, that's doing OK. And then uh, towards the end, I was, I was waiting on one. And I think I think it was Hartlepool. Um, and they were winning 1-0. But there was uh, an awful lot of uh, injury time. So it was just absolute torture. And you didn't have live pictures then. You were just watching on the teletext and it come up um, full-time. So again, I I was still an apprentice then and I won, I I think it was about £1,200 and that was a lot of money for me then. That was an awful lot of money so, you know, I was a bit taken like, oh right, you know, I I can make a go of this and uh, of course, you know, it's just a a stroke of luck that I won that but yeah, that's what hooked me and began me on my my journey from gambling
0: and up to where
1: I am now with with trading.
0: Well, that's that's that journey. The other journey, the RAF journey, led you to Afghanistan. which is a little bit less rosy, I imagine. Yes. um, I mean, I I had a fantastic time in
1: the Air Force. You know, I I could sit here, uh, you you, ex-forces yourself, you know, we we could share many tales and I could have you in floods of tears of laughter or, you know, tears of sorrow. And, you know, unfortunately, Afghanistan, um, some of the things that you see out there, it it, may, it really drives home how fortunate we are um, i did a four month tour out there um, so um away from you know my wife we, we hadn't been married that long at the time uh, and we just moved out i was actually based in cyprus at the time so um out to cyprus and then back to the uk to go to afghanistan for four months um real valuable valuable time of my life, you know, something I would never forget Um, and it just made me realise how fortunate we are, you know, some of the things in the western world or certainly this country that we grumble about you know, we don't know how lucky we are we we really don't Um, seeing some heartbreaking things Um, it, it affected me in the way that when I came home I used to get quite, not annoyed but People would complain about what I would call nif naff and trivia. or oh, my car's broke or something like that. And like, you know, go a few thousand miles that way and there's people who have got real problems. Um, and people, some people may turn around and say, oh, well, you know, they deserve for what the things, but the majority of the people there were lovely, lovely welcoming people. They had nothing. And yet, when we were out on the streets, they'd come up and, you know, even if it was a suite or something, that's all they had. And they, and they were offering it to you. They were such nice people. And they were so glad of our help. Obviously, you had the, there was the element who, you know, weren't too happy that we were there and, uh, you know, up to no good. But um, it, it was, uh, uh, yeah, an important. It, it changed my mindset on a lot of things being out there. And I, I think it may be difficult for people to understand, you know, who've never been in the forces and never been in that situation. It may be difficult for them to comprehend. But anybody who has been, it can, yeah, it it does change your outlook on a number of things. Uh, It was, it was a tough four months, um, but a a, a very valuable time, very rewarding time. You know, we were there to help people, which we did, and, you know, helping them rebuild schools and universities, what happened, and looking at them going and, you know, getting an education, absolutely fantastic. And then, you know, recently, when you see what's happened, um, it, you know, almost back to square one. And it's, uh, you know, I, I still lie there at night sometimes thinking about those people and what they're going through now. You know, and all the work that we put in to try and help them. And it's just been undone in the blink of an eye.
0: And in a roundabout way, did your experiences over there make the sort of trading risks seem extremely trivial and sort of give you a bit of a sort of, I don't know, stronger mindset when it comes to what you do? In a way yes, because um, you know there, there were risks out
1: there, very severe risks, um, ultimately you know, you, you're going to lose your life um, so I think when you, you know, you put in financial risks into the context against what you were risking out there, then yeah, it, it made me more you put things into perspective perspective well you know this is nothing like what I went through there that was a completely different um, element of risk so yes it, it did it made me a stronger person um and yeah it, it, it did help with, with, the, with the sort of the risk element of things
0: okay so on a lighter note we've in a roundabout way become acquainted because of uh, another interview Andy Gibson
1: Andy, a professional
0: yes. punter, the enigma yeah. that is yeah. Andy Gibson. Um, how did you get involved with Andy?
1: Yeah, so Andy's. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say Andy's a good friend of mine now. So um, I think a few years ago, Andy was reaching out and he wanted, uh, you know, a, a group of uh, fellow racing enthusiasts, friends, if you like, um, to put a few quid into a pot um, to get uh, two or three horses, which we did. So. Um, we had three horses with Mickey Hammond up in um, up in Midland. Who we we had a great day out with Mickey and Gemma the other week at the football, um, and I just got to know Andy. You know, several stable visits um, every time we go up there. Absolutely great day, lovely people at, at, at Midland. Got to know Andy um, Andy well, and yeah, we, we we've, we've become good friends. Uh, you know, we exchange ideas. Uh, Andy is he's from, from, more from a, a, an outright the fire and forget bets, if you like, but on, on the national hunt racing and he, he is Mr. National Hunt Racing. You know he's, uh, what Andy doesn't know about it, it just, it just doesn't exist. He's, you know the, the, the ultimate professional, if you like, when it comes to that. And I know, I know how hard he works and the hours that he, he puts in. You know, I'll speak to him at a, a weekend and uh, you know he's still at his desk at some unearthly hours where most of us are sat downstairs having a beer. So very hard working, you know, dedicated, professional. And that just goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, if you're not prepared to put that hard work in and do your analysis and your graft, you know, you get out what you put you put in and he's successful because he works very, very hard at what he does.
0: Now football trading, we're coming to the end now, but football trading Is it something that can be looked upon as a long-term income source? You talked earlier about the way things are changing. Do you think there's a lot of long levity in football trading? As long as Team A is playing Team B and there's markets
1: on Betfair, yes. Um, I don't don't think that's going to change overnight. Um, I, I, I think... With regard to outright markets and, you know, the, the bookmakers, we, we don't know where we're going to be with regard to the, the, the gambling review. I, I'm not too concerned because I'm predominantly um, exchanges. I know people do pin their you know, most of their business on, um, the, on, on the bookmakers. We don't know what's going to come out of that, but I'm pretty sure that, that the future's fine for, for football on the exchanges one of the things I think a lot of people talk about, you know, if there was that, if America were to come online then, you know, your, your volume etc. is going to go through the ceiling and that betting bank that we were talking about before, you know, you could revise that because you only want to put money into a market where you are not going to stand out you know, like a a a, a swinging sunflower in an empty field. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, you know your market's on a let's say a Monday meeting at Hexham or something like that. if you were to put ten thousand pounds into the market, you know people are going to spot you but if going back to the football you know where there's there can be tens of thousands of pounds in the market you know you'd be able you'd be able to put that in but uh yeah i i I think there is long term in it yes um I, I think, you know, Betfair's evolving, the, the, the more and more markets they add. But for me, those core markets will always be there. And, yeah, it, it's for me, it's got a long-term future.
0: Right, final question. You mentioned um, you've got a date in mind for when you're going to be full-time professional punter or professional trader. Can you tell us when that is?
1: Yeah, well, well firstly, did, people say to me... Um, a friend of mine years ago said to me, oh, professional gambler, don't you have to earn a million pound a year to be classed as a professional gambler? I was like, well, I hope not. <laughs> um, now, whether uh, there's people that do, fantastic. I certainly don't, but define professionals. So you could say, well, okay, what's a, what's a professional bricklayer? Somebody who has done an apprenticeship, you know, served their time, is competent at what they do, is respected by others at what they do, since they want to employ them, and they earn money to go home and, and support their family. Same thing. So a professional punter, um, do you know what you're doing? You know, have you served an apprenticeship? I've served a long apprenticeship through trading and betting. Are you competent at what you do? I'd like to think yes, I am. And um, can you make a, a regular income from it? Yes so that's my, my take on the phrase professional punter um, so with regard to a time frame um, so and I, I must stress that I'm, I, I, I have a job, a very good job uh, that's my focus when the current contract comes to an end that I'm working on which would be maybe about 4 or 5 years time um, I'm in a position then where my mortgage is gone I don't have to worry about that uh, safety net to pay the mortgage and I can concentrate on doing this full-time.
0: Brilliant. Well, we wish you luck, David Edwards. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you.